Hello everyone, welcome to PwC TaxBite podcast series. In this third episode of our mini-series on the future proofing of your statutory reporting function, I'm very happy that I can welcome Kim again in this third episode. And, and Kim is a member of our global statutory center of excellence. And also Brecht. Brecht is a member of our global center of excellence on e-invoicing and e-reporting. And with Kim and Brecht, I want to talk about the end state, the ideal end state in this third episode dual ledger accounting. How can you ensure that you meet the local statutory and tax requirements while maintaining your local statutory ledgers in your business ERP? In other words, what should you do as a global company to get the most future-proof statutory porting model in place? Kim, how do we start with this? Well, uh, Peter, let's maybe first start with the design of the ERP. Um, currently, a lot of companies are going through an ERP transformation project, moving from an on-premise version to a cloud version. Um, whether they are using SAP, Oracle, Workday, or any product in the Microsoft suite, for all of them, the same momentum applies. Um, as the technical design of the cloud is different from the on-premise version, such a transformation project is the ideal moment in time to better design for um, stat and tax. Um, often tax and consequently also stat uh, is still overlooked and, and doesn't have a seat at the table in these projects. Uh, and if they do get a seat at the table, they are mostly not involved as from the start. Um, that's a huge missed opportunity because some of the key building blocks uh, for an optimal stat and tax process lie in the structural core design setup of the ERP and that's what's being designed in the most early stage of such an ERP transformation project. So a very basic but at the same time vital message to get to our audience is make sure that you as a stat or tax team are involved from the very start in these ERP transformation discussions. Okay, that's a very clear message. So the stat or tax team should be involved. But once the, the stat and tax team is involved, what do they need to think about? Um, there's two main phases uh, when it comes to incorporating the stat and tax requirements in the new ERP. Um, we have first the global design phase um, and second the, the, the country rollout phase. The global design phase is this first phase uh, that I referred to before. So the one where really the building blocks are being defined. Um, Here's where you need to think global first. So across all countries, what are the main and common requirements from a set and text perspective? Um, these mainly relate to the four C's, um, the gap convention, chart of accounts, calendar and currency. Um, gap convention, which gaps need to be accommodated for. If we take the example again of the U.S. multinational, um, then the U.S. gap will certainly need to be covered. Um, but in most of the countries, Another gap is to be applied locally. Maybe it's IFRS or version thereof, or it's local gap. Um, also in view of Pillar 2, um, the requirements, um, yeah, there a structured approach to account for the different gaps and the gap to set differences has become even more important. Um, so that's one. Then there's a chart of accounts. How does the operating chart of accounts need to look like? Again, for US multinational, this will be the group chart of accounts. But in some countries, you need a local chart of accounts or at least a more granular version of the operating chart of accounts to immediately link your stat numbers to the local formats of the statutory financial statements. So that needs to be accounted for as well. Then there's calendar. 
Um, what is the Google Calendar setup and are there deviations or restrictions in place in some countries? Uh, for example, India has a compulsory 31st of March year-end. Brazil has mandatory 31st of December. So depending on the group calendar, a different calendar setup may be needed to accommodate your stat numbers in a different countries. Currency is the fourth one. Um, what is a functional currency for GAAP? Uh, is it different from the functional currency for STAT or for uh, group reporting? Um, in case of differences on that front, again, the setup will need to be uh, accommodating um, the requirements in the different countries. And then the last one, um, but again, an essential one, is the, the legal entity purity. Um, it's um, the, the fact that in, in, in most countries, your statutory accounting records need to be isolated for each legal entity or legal branch uh, so that you can perform your reporting for that legal entity uh, on a standalone basis. Um, so also here, important to take along and uh, things to think about like sequential numbering and so on. Um, so all of these requirements need to be structurally embedded into the core design. Um, each ERP has functionalities available to accommodate these uh, global requirements. And how these look like will, of course, depend on the ERP solution. Um, again, what the best fit solution is for each entity will depend not only on these uh, regulatory requirements, but also how the company is organized in, in that country. And that actually brings us back to the first session that we had in this mini-series, where we discussed the fact that um, this ideal operating model may look different um, from company to company within the group and therefore may require a, a, diff a different solution. Also when organizing the, the ERP in the best way. Um, but anyway, we suggest to always apply what we call a mini-max approach. So how can you achieve with a minimum effort, maximum compliance in as many countries as possible? Okay, thanks, Kim. So man, this is first the global design phase to ensure that all the common requirements across the countries are considered in, in, in the core design. But then uh, what about all the very specific local country requirements? I hear a lot about e-invoicing, softy files, country-specific exchanges with, with tax authorities who may have even platforms to do that. How can companies ensure that all of these requirements are, are met, actually? Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, we are moving away more and more from the additional stat and tax reporting uh, at period end to foster more digital and more detailed type of reporting uh, in many countries. Whereby indeed new types of so-called EU requirements obligations are being introduced globally. Just for the audience on those EU requirements, these could indeed vary from invoicing mandates to real-time reporting and even on-request e-audit requirements. With mandatory invoicing, this typically refers to the obligation whereby you are no longer uh, able to send your invoices directly to the buyer, but you are first sending that invoice data towards the authorities, either for pre-clearance before you are able to transmit it towards your buyer, or even a step further where the government or the government platform is also responsible for the actual delivery of that invoice towards your buyer. Next to e-invoicing, uh, you also have the so-called e-reporting obligations, but one of those obligations is related to real-time reporting, uh, being considered actually as the requirement where you are required to, within a very short period of, of time after you have issued the invoice towards your customer, to also transmit this transactional information or at least a subset thereof towards the authorities. 
And thirdly, uh, it also includes countries requiring so-called safety files, so the standard audit files for tax, meaning uh, that you report your company's accounting information, but also other types of information that typically go beyond the pure invoicing or transaction information in a predefined structured format. So making it possible for governments to conduct targeted audits and data mining activities to those data sets. If we now look at these requirements from a global perspective, we noticed that only a few years ago, there were only a small number of countries that implemented invoicing IRT reporting obligations. But now we see that over a period of only a few years, the numbers of countries that have indeed implemented these kinds of requirements in their local legislations has more than tripled over time. So to make it even more complex for businesses, none of these countries that introduce such type of obligation is doing it in the same way. As for each of these countries, you unfortunately have to take some local nuances and specific into account. You may wonder what will happen in the future. Uh, can we expect a further acceleration in the introduction of new requirements or are we looking at more harmonization or standardization of these requirements going forward? Well, Although some policy initiatives in this direction are being taken, to, know, to name one, the VAT and Digital Age proposal, it's a proposal that's being considered by the European Commission to modernize the VAT reporting obligations by introducing digital reporting requirements, which will standardize the information that needs to be submitted by taxable person on each transaction to the tax authorities in electronic format. At the same time, it will impose the use of e-invoicing for cross-border transactions. So even though some initiatives are indeed being taken, it will just become even more complicated for businesses as new requirements will be added to their roadmap and changes will happen to already existing requirements. Meaning that it's not the case that if you implement once, you are off the hook and no further changes need to be anticipated. In order to not overlook any of these requirements, it's vital that you have a complete and comprehensive up-to-date list available per country both in the global design phase to anticipate the overall setup and complexities, as well as during the country rollout phases to correctly implement all of these detailed requirements for each and every country. Okay, thanks Brecht. And um, from your experience, what are the top pain points that we see in practice? Um, what should companies absolutely avoid when it comes to integrating the stat and tax requirements into the business ERP? Um, knowing that, of course, the ultimate goal is uh, uh, to maintain locally compliant stat ledgers and to ensure that yeah, the most efficient design of their stat and tax uh, processes is ensured. Yeah, well, uh, happy to share some uh, and to shed some light on those pain points. Uh, let's maybe uh, focus on three of them. Uh, first of all, consider stat and tax as from the start, uh, because in a world where governments receive your data in real time, data currency will be key as this will, of course, be what governments will focus on when they are gathering your data. A, co a perfect correspondence between your transactions and your accounts is crucial in this respect. Secondly, uh, it's, of course, very important to monitor the constantly changing uh, e-invoicing and e-reporting landscape, given that new, in new obligations are being introduced. We're living in a rapidly changing tax landscape with countries that have taken the decision to implement new type of e-requirements. A good example of this would be France, for instance, whereby they will shortly introduce the mandatory B2B e-invoicing mandate combined with the reporting requirement for cross-border and B2C transactions. So they will have a full visibility on all transactions happening in their country. Uh, so you need to make sure that you are on top of things for those. Unfortunately, on top of the list of new requirements, also taxpayers need to take into account changes to their existing requirements. 
A good example of this uh, would be the changes to the Italian reporting requirements. Italy, for instance, started with mandatory B2G invoicing, and over time, they extended the scope to also include B2B transactions. So also B2B invoicing mandate was introduced for domestic transactions. And recently, they also added on top of that the cross-border communication for uh, transactions. So they actually have you on all of your transactions. And a last element to also uh, monitor is, of course, the technical changes, because sometimes also to the technical formats, changes are, uh, being, are, are performed. So, for instance, in Mexico, there was recently the case where they are already on the uh, CFDI 4.0 version. So already a lot of versions have passed in the meantime, but it's quite important to take those technical uh, changes into account. And last but not least, um, also involve and make sure that you involve your local regional tax and IT teams as from the start. It's fair to say that it will be crucial for companies to properly prepare for what's coming and make sure that they have a future-proof stat and tax ERP system. And that where necessary, they are also able to rely on partners that are considering these various requirements in a technology solution that they are offering on the market. The system integrator helping you with the setup itself doesn't have these capabilities. So it's really important to leverage the knowledge and expertise of a global tax expert. So in summary, to avoid the previously mentioned pain points and to ensure that your business is not at risk and captures all the requirements, there is a clear need for businesses to build a proactive and centralized ERP design, fit for the evolving challenges from a stat and tax perspective, including e-invoicing and e-reporting strategy to reduce the risk, decrease costs, and stay ahead of the curve. So formulating such a tailored strategy is essential if you want to ensure lasting success and third, a compliance necessity and competitive advantage. Thanks, Recht. And uh, I'm afraid we're already at the end of the podcast for today. So um, my take from all of this is, eh, to, today we talked about your ledger accounting, but also the increasing complexities and local requirements. Um, yeah, you need to navigate, I think, as a group, these complexities uh, when you think about a new ERP setup, uh, but I also took some good news. Eh? If you do that in the right way, the new ERP is uh, an enabler that can yeah, make sure that you get rid of inefficiencies that, that may be existing uh, already in the past. Um, we first have to think globally. That's what I, what I learned today. Uh, leverage the global knowledge of an expert, and then there's a lot to be gained uh, from doing that. So in this mini-series, we still have two episodes to come, and Kim... We're curious here what will be tackled in the next one. Um, the next one, um, they will be drilling down into the, the impact that uh, the organization of the stat reporting function has on tech technology. And that includes the very hot topic about Pillar 2 as well, Peter. Okay. Thank you, Kim. And uh, with that, I thank you, you both for uh, being in my uh, podcast. I thank the audience for tuning in. And looking forward to the next episode. Pillar 2 is a very interesting topic. So looking forward to that. Thank you.